0: This episode is made possible by our generous patrons to learn more visit patreon.com forward slash ink to film
1: Welcome to the film podcast where we read the book
0: and then see the movie. I'm luke and i'm james
1: And this week we're covering the first eight chapters of gillian flynn's 2006 mystery thriller sharp objects James. Hello, listeners. How's it going? I, uh, I'm i in the middle of a house hunting endeavor right now. It's taking up a ton of time, but I'm still reading and I'm enjoying Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. I'm, I'm really into this book right now.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm really enjoying myself. I'm coming to you live from my new blanket fort here in this hotel room in South Florida.
1: That's right. So you're down <laughs> in South Florida on a shoot for National Geographic?
0: Yes, and I'm currently running on like four hours of sleep. So <laughs> forgive me, and forgive any any extra noises that I'm not able to pull out in the edit from people in the hotel.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I like that you're soldiering on, though. The pod must go on. Um, so, speaking of that, uh, this is going to be a, kind of an odd project for us, in that we're going to try something new, and we hope that you guys like it. So, this is how this is our plan. We're going to do this episode on the first eight chapters of the book, which is roughly half of it, and then we're going to watch four episodes of the show which are currently out. And then next week, our, our next episode will be on those four episodes of the show, the HBO series, right? Um, and then we will do the next eight chapters, leaving the final two uncovered. We'll do the next eight chapters, and that'll be our, our third episode. And then we'll go bounce back, watch all the way up to the finale. That'll be our fourth episode. And then our fifth and final episode, we'll read the last two chapters, and we'll watch the finale. And that the reason I want to do it that way is to preserve the mystery as long as possible, you know, so that we can still so that we can kind of be in the dark when we're watching the show rather than knowing the ending as we're watching.
0: Yeah, I think it's cool that we're experimenting and trying a new format here for this one. I just hope that the show doesn't have like a penultimate episode that's like the one where they just like reveal everything and then the 10th one is like winding down.
1: Yeah, I mean it's possible, but I feel like most mystery shows I I do watch a good number of these. I feel like uh even if it's revealed who it is, who the killer is in the fin- in that penultimate episode, the resolution, like the confrontation doesn't happen until that final episode right. episode. Yeah. So I think there will still be a good bit to cover there that will be interesting um and and, and we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's an experiment, but uh you know, I think it might make this a little uh, more interesting for our listeners who maybe don't want to have things spoiled. Like they can kind of follow along uh, without without getting spoiled until until uh, the show spo- you know <laughs> reveals it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be so much fun. I mean, I've been dying to watch this show, so I'm glad that we've done the section that we need to, so that as soon as we get done recording, I can I can watch the episodes.
1: Yeah, me too, man. I mean, I've seen the trailers. It it just looks really really good. I get a strong True Detective vibe from the HBO series trailer, and I love True Detective season one. So that's, you know, absolutely. I'm excited to watch it. Um, I I am going to post, I'll post the plan for these episodes online because I'm realizing that I probably sounded confusing as hell just now when <laughs> I was trying to out- outline it so that you can see it and it's more clear, but it's really not that complex, but I'll, I'll post it online so that it's, so that it's out there and, and you, you guys can know how we're going to do it. Sounds good.
0: So you wanted to tell me a little bit about Gillian, right?
1: Yes. So, I did do some research into her bio, so I think we're going to start with that, and then we'll do some general thoughts about the series so far, and then we'll get into a kind of our spoiler coverage. Sounds good. Okay. So, Gillian Flynn was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. Both of her parents were professors at a community college. Flynn was painfully shy and found escape in reading and writing. Growing up, Flynn's father would take her to watch horror movies. She attended the University of Kansas, where she received an undergraduate degree in English and journalism. She spent two years in California writing for a trade magazine for human resource professionals before moving to Chicago and attending Northwestern University for a master's degree in its School of Journalism in 1997. Flynn initially worked as a police reporter, but she chose to focus on her own writing as she discovered she had no aptitude for police writing. So the reason I wanted to point all that out is I think... There's a lot of similarities you can make between her and Camille, right?
0: Oh yeah, that's what I was wondering that while I was reading. I was like, this kind of feels like it could be somewhat and like I, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast at length. We don't want you don't want to assume that, but it kind of felt like it was closely author.
1: Yeah, kind of autobiographical, maybe I think it at least is drawing on it. I mean, the fact that she's a journalist in Chicago, and the author worked as a journalist in Chicago. I mean, I think that's pretty telling from a small town, Missouri, well, Kansas City, Missouri is not small town, but this, this story is about a small town in Missouri, right? So obviously drawing on personal experience. So, I'll give you a little bit more career information. After graduating from Northwestern, Flynn worked briefly um, at U.S. News and World Report before being hired as a feature writer in 1998 at Entertainment Weekly. She was promoted to a television critic and wrote about films, but was laid off in December of 2008. She attributes her craft to her 15 years of journalism. She said, I could not have written a novel if I hadn't been a journalist first. Because it taught me that there's no muse that's going to come and down and bestow upon you the mood to write. You just have to do it. I'm definitely not precious.
0: I feel like in her writing, it feels a little bit like a true crime. Like it's like almost like a, like it feels kind of true crime to me.
1: Sure, I can see that.
0: So I think maybe it has something to do with like the fact that she was actually doing it in a news situation.
1: Yeah, it has a true crime sort of like flair and like attention to facts like the facts that you need to understand the story. But I, um, I think the, the worry for me in reading someone who has a journalism background versus a creative writing background is that the prose is going to feel more um, to the, just, just the facts, you know, strip away everything that's like flowery or, int- you know, I say interesting and, 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 and uh, anything that adds texture. Mm. Often you see that stripped down in very bare bones writing. I don't think that's how she writes. Um, I think she, ha- she's, she has a good attention to detail and it keeps the pace moving. But I felt like she was, I mean, throughout had brilliant evocative details that really sucked me in and really showed, I think, the sign of a talented writer, right? Like I can see why she is so talented and why she's so re- well regarded in the mystery in the mystery uh, genre.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was sucked in right away. And I think we're definitely going to talk more about this, but I I felt like there was a strong Stephen King vibe as well. Like, and I I feel like that's a compliment because I feel like a lot of his stories really draw me in and I'm I'm like, you know, first chapter I'm invested and willing to read the rest of the book.
1: Yeah, I think most writers would take it as a compliment. I mean, King is a master and I agree. I got strong, particularly it that we covered. It was our very first project. Um, I think this story has a lot to do when we can talk about it more but i think the story has a lot to do with kind of the secret lives of children and we're seeing a lot of cruelty like casual cruelty small town cruelty uh we're seeing a lot of the like seedy underbelly of what is otherwise otherwise might seem like an idyllic area an idyllic town um and I, that just reminded me of it you know did you did you have that? Oh yeah, in, it too. Yeah, yeah,
0: we we had a little conversation. I'll let the listeners in on this. We had a little conversation right before where you just today posted something that kind of hinted that this this like reminded you of it yep. on our Facebook page, and I was like, dude, I was gonna say that on the podcast. <laughs> so it was. Well, it's very the, much. It yeah. feels like like Bill De- older Bill Dembrow coming back to to kind of see this the town where he grew up and how much everything's changed and kind of dealing with the his past that he's buried it feels very much like that to me
1: absolutely yeah it's it's specifically the adults coming back to the town they grew up in because uh we see camille i mean we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves but this isn't a spoiler but she comes back and she has a lot of baggage and she has a lot of memories and a lot of pain in in this town right and this kind of like dredges it all back up and that's exactly what you saw in it so yeah i think i think the comparison is definitely there to be made now i i do want i do want to get into this little bit i found on on wikipedia some critics have accused flynn of misogyny due to the often unflattering depiction of female characters in her books flynn identifies as a feminist she feels that feminism allows for women to be bad characters in literature she states quote the one thing that really frustrates me is the idea that women are innately good, innately nurturing. Flynn has also said that people will dismiss trampy, vampy, bitchy types, but there's still a big pushback against the idea that women can be just pragmatically evil, bad, and selfish. In 2015, Flynn explained her decision to write cruel female characters, saying, I've grown quite weary of spunky heroines, brave rape victims, Soul searching fashione says that stocks so many books. I particularly mourn the lack of female villains, good potent female villains. so I think that's interesting to talk about too like I think that I immediately was taken with how i mean everybody in this book with like one or two obsessions or sorry exceptions is pretty terrible yeah and that's that goes across all all gender you know everything age gender everything everybody's kind of terrible in this book um so i
0: like that too though it's like she's equal opportunity like everybody's bad i agree it feels real and i think it's authentic right because i feel like like even the people even the best of us are willing to admit like they have things that that are they feel are you know quote unquote wrong with them and all of us have baggage so um i feel like she does a great job of, of kind of, yeah, like you said, like equal opportunity. Every character in this book seems to have something else going on rather than just like that first layer that we get, that Southern charm that I think a lot of the characters display. So the last little
1: bit of the bio here I want to point out. Flynn has published three novels. Sharp Objects was her debut. She wrote Sharp Objects, Dark Places, and Gone Girl. All three have been adapted to film or television. <laughs> and Flynn even wrote the adaptation for Gone Girl screenplay so that's pretty incredible
0: yeah i did i did know that she's three for three she's three for three and fincher directed one of them so
1: yeah yeah it's pretty amazing and, and like i mean from all accounts this hbo series is really good too i i don't know much about dark places but it's pretty incredible and i i think it's safe to say that this is an author we will probably revisit in the future because i mean that's we should definitely do gone girl i mean I, i've i oh. seen the movie and i loved it i haven't read the book though so i'd be interested too, especially after this
0: oh yeah Love, I would love to cover that for the podcast.
1: All right. So that's what I have for bio. I did want to go ahead and put out some trigger warnings for this episode and really for this whole project. Um, we maybe won't do it every episode, but just for this entire project, um, this book deals with a lot of really dark, troubling material and specifically instances of depression and self harm that I think is worth putting out there because some people, you know, th- that can be, that can take them to a dark place. And I would hate for our podcast to do that. So if, if you feel like you can't handle people discussing self-harm um, as it relates to depression and anxiety and all that stuff, um, then, then maybe this isn't the right project for you. So I just want to put that out there. All right. So before we get into it, before we get into spoilers, let's talk about just more general feelings, more, more, more of a general take on, on this story. How how's it striking you
0: i guess one other thing i wanted to mention about the uh about the comparison to it is mm-hmm. the idea that this town um as the story of it goes on you kind of learn that it's not just nece- it's not ne- just necessarily pennywise it's kind of the town mm-hmm. in on it and it's like the town's apathy or the town's and whether they're being manipulated or not is is an argument for sure for it but just the idea that like the town is exacerbating these things and making them worse. And like it was very specifically the mother in, in this book is just like push everything off. Don't, don't address any of the, anything that's goes on and, and I mean, it makes her character pretty mysterious. So
1: yeah, uh, very striking character um, feels incredibly real. There's so many smart observations about family dynamics in here that I, I found really incredible. Uh, and just say, and just really true to life. um, we'll get into more specifics as we go, but, but yeah, I mean, she, Flynn just is showing that she really understands family. she understands drama that builds up, and um how much resentment there can be. Oh, also, uh, her sister is said to have died when she was young, and I think the depiction of what that can do to a family life, right? Like we see some of that in it. I mean, I, I hate to keep bringing it back, but yeah, with, you know. Georgie dying at the beginning, and then we see what that does to Bill's family. Mm -hmm. In in this, it's the same thing, although this happened a long time ago. Uh, She talks about how her family life... I mean, it wasn't great before, but it really went off the rails, it seems like, after her sister died. So we haven't read the whole book, so that's the other thing. I mean, we don't know how it ends. We don't even know how the second half of the book goes. So this is all based off the first half, first half impressions. I don't know about you, but I feel like I have no real idea what's going... Like, um, not what's not... I have no real idea who's doing it yet. Like I I, 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 we can form some theories as we go, but right now it's like we've just we're just learning who everybody is at this point, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I have some pretty outlandish. The- I have a, I have at least one pretty outlandish theory, and then I have some others that aren't quite as as crazy. But it's like <laughs> there's some crazy stuff going on, and and um a lot of like red herrings, right? Like like there's characters that are like clearly like you m- think maybe that's the person, but like if you were the writer, you would definitely have that person be there as a red herring.
1: Sure. And that's the the game that these mysteries play, right? This genre, the appeal of it is is trying to figure out what happened, who did it. You know, this is definitely kind of a whodunit story at its heart.
0: Do you feel like we've been given, like, do you feel like if you just kept rereading this first half of the book, do you feel that eventually you would figure out who it is? Do you feel like we've been given enough information to know yet if you dug deep enough? And uh, I think I think. No, I don't think
1: we have enough information to know who did it. I mean, right already. But I do think if once we get to the end and find out who it is, if you were to go back and reread this novel, you can you're probably going to see the signs are there. Right. Right. I think good mystery tends to do that, um, especially if the goal is kind of that reveal. Now, there is there is a different kind of crime novel where there is no mystery who did it. Like it's It's revealed in the opening chapter often who the killer is, and then it's more about capturing them. That's not what this novel is. This novel is a mystery because we don't know who's behind these murders, which we should go ahead and say, I guess the basic premise of this is that Camille is our main character, um, portrayed by Amy Adams in the show. And she is a journalist who is assigned to go back to her hometown of Wind Gap to investigate, um, I think one murder with another disappearance at the beginning. And, and it's, it's kind of supposed to be like a human interest piece um, where she's going to talk about the town, and and her her uh, editor is trying to just come up with stories. I guess they're scrambling. Um, which, by the way, the editor is one of the few characters who is written about with some affection. Like he it seems like she has a good re- relationship with him, and that she actually thinks he's a good good guy. Unlike most of the people in Wind Gap.
0: This is something that I wanted to mention because I did feel like that later in this half. But the first like scene that we get with him, I kind of felt like he was like. I didn't feel like they had a great relationship, and I kind of felt like he was, like, a little douchey. Sure. And then... No,
1: you're right. You're right. In the opening scene, it wasn't where I really thought that. It was later on where I started to think that she actually has some affection for him. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, he is... Um, He is kind <laughs> of... He's like... It, well, he does often say that he cares about her feelings, and he wants her to be okay, but then we see him making her go back to her town after she says, like, I don't want to go there. Like, I, I you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't like being there. I don't like, I don't like those people, all that stuff. And he kind of dismisses those concerns. So yeah, he's not perfect by any stretch.
0: I felt like this, this f- book felt to me very early on, it felt very confident. Like it felt like it knew, it knew what it wanted to do. And did it with almost no holds barred, right? Like it just went for it. And it's just it just seems like a very confident first novel to me.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that helps it feel that way is a very strong voice and tone. It's a very uh, dark. It's gritty. It's, um, I've heard it described as moist, <laughs> which okay. I think is a funny description for it. I guess in the sense of like sweaty, uh-huh. um, everything's just grimy. And, yeah, like, uh, there's a real nice consistency to that. Like, ev- it's one of those where it reminds me a little bit, maybe this is an extreme version, but when we read Rawhead Rex, the short story, yeah, everything in that short story is, like, not only filthy, but, like, putrid. Like, everything is, like, turned to 11. And this is how a lot of the descriptions feel in this novel to me, too. Like, they're all of a, of a piece, right? So they all fit this tone, fit this voice. So one last thing before we get into the spoilers. Uh, I've been listening to this book on Audible, and I'm really taken with the narrator. I think she's doing an amazing job giving these kind of southern voices, and it really evokes this southern gothic feel. And I just wanted to say we have an Audible affiliate link. If you wanted to join us in listening, it's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And if you haven't signed up for Audible yet, you can use that link to sign up for their service and get this book for free. And then you could listen along. Uh, before we get to the spoilers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've also been listening to it on Audible and and I think she does a great job. The The southern accents, it's because there's like so many different dialects of southern accent and she's able to to really make the characters feel distinct and not have the same southern accent over and over.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, we should also point out that all of Gillian Flynn's novels are in there. So if you're a Gillian Flynn fan and you're enjoying this and you think, oh, maybe that uh, what was it, Dark, Dark Places or, or Gone Girl. I've been meaning to listen to that. Those books are on there as well. So definitely, if you are interested in that sort of thing, use our affiliate link, audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film, and you can get that book for free. So as we mentioned before, Camille Preaker is a journalist working in Chicago and she opens up by getting summoned by her editor, a man named Curry, and he wants her to go back to her hometown and investigate this murder and miss and someone who's gone missing. His idea for this comes from some other reporter who won a Pulitzer for like some similar ex- like thing where he went back to his hometown. Yeah. So he's just kind of copying this and he's like, ooh, that's a good idea. I'm going to have her do it.
0: It seems like funny logic to me that he's like, we're going to do the same exact thing. It's going to work out perfectly.
1: We learn a couple interesting details about our main character here. We learn that she only d- takes baths. Uh, we learn that she has no pets. She doesn't seem to have any real attachments, like people, or, or, or she says she doesn't even have any plants. And there's a picture, there's a moment where she looks at this picture of her and her sister Marion when they were like preteen girls. And we learn, you know, it's kind of ominous, right? And, and we later learn this because her sister died. Uh, I said the the details in this bu- book are beautiful and dark, um, but also every line or two you get a shocking detail. Like there's a moment where she's in the hotel just outside of town, having her like one last night away from from Wind Gap, and she's she's trying to take a bath, and then somebody else's pubic hair floats by in the bathtub. And I was like, that is an incredible detail, right? <laughs> like it's it's it jumps off the page. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, something about the picture that you mentioned a second ago that I really liked was that she had forgotten what they were like all happy about in the photo they were both really happy and it was like such a long time ago that she like was trying to like invent like what, what they were happy about in her mind to kind of try to fill those gaps and it's kind of like leading up to the the idea that like she's just been trying to bury all of this and then we learn like a lot of the stuff that she's had to deal with um kind of because of this town and losing her sister
1: yeah, and she's this book is written in close first person point of view. And I think that's where that that point of view really shines, right? Where you get these really like in her mind details of her trying to come up with memories and then almost inventing things and we know that we know that her perspective is biased, right? As mm-hmm. we're reading. And we know that as she's seeing things, she's often judging them. And we're getting her judgment as someone who really detests where she's from. Yeah. And so we get that we're, we're seeing it through the some idea through the guise of someone who's coming back to a place she hates. And so that affects everything she sees.
0: Well, and we also don't know like fully why she hates it. And then as right. we as we've gone on through this book, through the halfway point, we, we we're kind of starting to get the idea that like something weird has gone on. Something like has something happened that she like either repressed or like something happened. Because like, there's
1: a lot of mysteries about her, right, that, that slowly get revealed. And I think it's very clever to kind of just like slowly give them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do learn that the the girl who's gone missing, her name was Natalie Jane King, and she was last seen at this certain park, right? So when Camille gets to town, she goes to, a sheriff, to the sheriff's office and she meets Chief Vickery. He seems un- understandably frustrated with her being there um, because she's this out-of-towner, right? And she tries to say, like, I'm from here, but he knows that she's essentially coming down just because of this story. And he seemed frustrated by that, right? Because it's going to paint the town in a bad
0: light.
1: Well, and also she's a reporter, and so she's prying around in the investigation and kind of causing trouble. So we kind of immediately set up this dynamic of she needs info, but he doesn't necessarily want to tell her. Uh, She does learn some of the story of the girl who was found murdered. Ann Nash is her name, and she was found dangling from clothesline in this uh, stream, uh, her body was, where she'd been left. And we, we, we find out this detail that, that screams serial killer, right? Yep. Uh, all of her teeth were removed, and she was strangled to death. So uh, post-mortem, her teeth were removed.
0: Did, but, I, did I make this up, or did, did they say something about um, her fingernails were painted as well?
1: Ooh, I don't remember that detail, but that might that might be true.
0: For some reason, I thought I remember that being a thing. Like ooh, and if that, that
1: if that was said, that could be important. So good, that's a good idea to pay attention for details like that. I don't remember that, but I I believe you that it could have been.
0: Because that feels very serial killer, and then also getting into a detail that we learn later about whether people think it's a male or female killer kind of becomes an interesting thing.
1: Yes. So she also goes out to where they're looking for. The missing girl and she walks around with a couple of different townspeople and there was an amazing detail i just wanted to point it out she 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 talks about cottonwood coming down in the forest as she's walking and searching which i find to be a very evocative detail because we have cottonwood out here in oregon and that's one of my first memories of coming out here was driving on the highway and seeing this cottonwood and it looked like snow in the middle of summer it was like 100 degrees out and i thought that was really cool so to me it was this like very positive thing right um she She mentions that, as children, they called them fairy dresses, which I just thought was a really cool little detail. It was interesting to see this this kind of what I consider a beautiful thing like cut in this story that is like everything's ugly, right? right. So we start getting memories of her um, of of like children when she was growing up and how violent they were, right? We, she talks about how they used to hunt squirrels, and she calls them blood hunters who were seeking and this is a this is a quote that fatal jerk of a shot sp- of a shot-spun animal uh she remembers a dust a dirt floor covered with rusted blood she remembers seeing a man's hunting shed basically filled with photos of naked women and uh it was just it's like these details are all so evocative and so grimy mm-hmm. um and and then also she reveals that that was the first time she ever masturbated which i think that is this book, like this book does this really well. It takes something and it, and it shows you that she has a really, I'm going to call it, I don't know, I don't know, it's just fucked up, I guess, like relationship to that material. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't have the reaction of just like pure revulsion, but she also has an attraction to it. Yeah. Um. And, and I think that is our first sign that her mental state is not quite as stable as maybe we would have liked to think.
0: Right. And I mean, that could also be adding on to it with that being, like, one of her first sexual experiences, like, the the idea that there's dead animals and things like that associated with that could really...
1: Yeah, with women and women's sexuality, right? Yeah. Like, in, in this town has really regressive views of women's sexuality. And, the, yeah, the idea that there's all these trophies, essentially, of dead animals, and then you also have women on the wall, um, that clearly shows wh- what how men consider that, right? Like, in this town. And... I don't know, like that's all just works really well because it really sets up a place that is dangerous, but also familiar. Like, I don't know to anybody who grew up in a small town, which uh, we I should say we kind of did. We grew up in like a small town in Florida, basically. Maybe it's like midsize, but I also have some complex feelings about my hometown <laughs> right. and like going through high school and some of the people I met and, and some of the darker things that went on. Well, yeah, absolutely. And,
0: I think that's, I, yeah. I, but I will also say, I think that's basically everywhere you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, But like it's we'll say like universal. I know what you mean like like with being in the south. Like yeah. and like this also taking place in the south kind of like there's a there's some things that are like you could see this being a thing.
1: Absolutely. All right. So chapter 2, uh this is where we also learn that she is a bit of a drunk. Like she's drinking constantly. Um and it, really it's just more like the details start to kind of pile up and we say like okay, she's just like drinking a lot of bourbon, which seems <laughs> to be her drink of choice, which as an aside, I've been getting a little more into bourbon, more of a scotch guy, but I've been kind of trying to broaden my whiskey horizons and, and, and been trying more bourbon and getting used to that kind of corn taste that that it, that it has. Um, so when I read that, it, I don't know, just evokes that that thing for me, which is always fun. So next she goes and talks to Bob Nash, the father of the Killed Girl. He agrees to talk with her, and I thought the character descriptions here are very wonderful and evocative and uh the whole time i'm just sitting here like i really wrote down i'm falling in love with her prose so that 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 to me ri- reminds me very much of king um maybe just as a writer that's something i noticed but i i was very very taken with the, her, the way she, her, her language is working here the bob nash says that there's a baby killer out there and he he knows that the king the king girl doesn't just loss it's keen sorry I, said, I think i said king earlier but it's keen
0: so something interesting about this here is he's, he's very adamant about the fact that he thinks that it's a man, right? He says right. he he's still out there. He's still um, at large or whatever because she was killed fairly close to their house. And um, although she wasn't raped, she was murdered. And he just feels that for whatever reason that that screams male to him.
1: Well, and Camille kind of backs him up because, and this is true, there's just not very many female serial killers. Right. And when they do, often they kill men, in like a like a, like there'll be prostitutes who kill their johns, kind of things like that. Um, not usually like children or anything like that. Now, I'm just not saying it never happens; it does, because you know there's evil across all spectrums of humanity, absolutely. But yes, uh, I think it is usually a safe assumption. Uh, that it's a man. However, in a work of fiction where all things are possible, who knows? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to withhold my judgment personally. <laughs> yeah,
0: and this is a very female-centric book too.
1: Right. So yes, you're... about about a lot of the viciousness and 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 a cruelty in women and that can be in women. So yeah, I, I, it almost would fit if it was a woman. I right. don't know if that will affect our theory or not. Our theories. <laughs> Uh, we also learned about a big shot detective uh, named Richard, who's here from Kansas City. And she, in fact, she calls him Kansas City a couple times.
0: What did you think about the fact that Bob Nash, um, just like something I feel like we should mention is that he makes this comment about how like she's better dead than raped and dead. And mm. then like he's like really he becomes self-conscious about the fact that he said that to a reporter who could print that. Well, yeah. I don't know. What did you I mean, obviously, he's very... Like it would be, it would be so, it such an awful thing for your daughter to have to go through to to be raped. But um, what do you think that was for him to to say? Like, I want to take it back.
1: Yeah, I think he realizes how fucked up it is to say that. But I think in that moment, it is kind of true. Um, and I think the reason, in my opinion, Gillian is including that detail is it is, um, she's she's showing the fucked up relationship people have with their children sometimes. Especially fathers, where they try and preserve their daughter's sexuality to the point of where it becomes more important than the person. Like it's it's more about purity. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like any 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 like threat any threat to her, his daughter's purity is worse to him than her just dying. And now when he when he says it out loud, he maybe realizes that it, maybe it's not fully true. But I think we can safely say it's close for him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said it.
0: Right. And we also get the added um, detail throughout that this community is fairly religious, and that kind of ties into yep. that as well.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, because in the eyes of God, if you're impure, you're, you know, less worth, like, worth, you know, loving and and, and all of that. Um, now, that may be controversial, but I'm saying that certain readings and certain people might believe that. So I, I, there's a lot of moments where she is like mentally bonding with this girl just by like looking at a picture of her and, and deciding that this is how she was. And, 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 and it's interesting because she's, she's leaning on kind of her journalism and like her, um, I guess like, yeah, like her journalist chops, right? Like uh, to be able to identify what kind of a person somebody is very quickly. yeah And so she makes a lot of judgments about this girl and she identifies with her. And then she also starts thinking about how hard it would be to pry out somebody's teeth one at a time. Um, which is, when Shunasi said that, I started thinking about it, which is a very uncomfortable thought. (laughs) Um, So,
0: well done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you think that the teeth thing is, um, like, a clue as to who it could be, or do you feel like that's just, like, a specific... um... I think
1: absolutely it will become one. I don't know that we have enough info right now to make much of a judgment about it, but... Yes, I think, I think the teeth is going to be very important. A detail like that has to be, has to be at the, it has to almost be at the heart of this. Yeah. That has to be, that has to be tied to the reason the killer is doing this.
0: Because it's not related to like IDing the body or anything. Like sometimes people will like.
1: Right. No, because it's very obvious who right. these girls are. Exactly. Yeah. So he's not trying to disguise them. I, it's clearly some sort of trophy taking. Yeah. And there's got to be a reason for it, Right. Um, that, that's just my initial thoughts. Maybe I'll be wrong, but yeah, I, I, that's the way I'm feeling. So she gets to her house and she's been putting it off. She's done all this other stuff before going home and she just arrives out of the blue. She hasn't called. And, uh, we meet her mother whose name is Adora and Adora is like a real piece of work. Um, she, she's, she's really just like a striking character in the way she really seems like displays no real love for her daughter. Um, very wealthy and but also frustratingly um resistant to any sort of dirty or negative thoughts Mm -hmm. and how she just like won't even let camille say why she's in town she's like while you're here you just have to say something else yeah say you're here for a different reason like she's got got her head in the sand i guess like she's delusional Mm -hmm. almost and it's like a self-imposed delusion so it's very hard for me to feel sympathy for this character
0: this is a fascinating character and um I feel that I know this person. Like I actually know someone in my life who kind of had this This very much made me think of somebody. There's this status built into it, also mixed with yeah. the idea that like they they don't have these impure thoughts or anything like that and they're willing to go to the extreme to to uphold that. But at the end of the day, you can see cracks in the armor, some some chinks in the armor where you're like, clearly you're not this person that you think you are. It's a lot of, like, faking it and, like you said, delusional, like, making yourself believe it. Well, and it's
1: frustrating, too, because she's not... I mean, you just want to, like, go... She's not making this stuff up. She's not talking about a movie she watched. She's talking about something that really happened in your town, Mm -hmm. and that's really why she's here. So it's, like, crazy, because it's, like, making her feel guilty for something that she didn't do, you know? It's just her connection to it.
0: Which is... Which kind of, like, leads into... Um, you know she feels guilty about some of the the children who've died and then we come to find out that she's more involved in those children's lives we kind of at first we think that she's maybe just like mourning for the town losing these children then we come to find out that she's more closely connected to these people I don't think I think that Adora is going to be maybe not connected to these deaths, but there's some sort of th- thread to tie her younger... Like, there's going to be something that ties Camille's backstory with her mom into this modern th- thing that she's investigating. So I feel like there's there's definitely... Like, she's... I don't think that she did anything, but I think that she knows something or she... Maybe she knows something. I don't know. But I will say that one of my... the The outlandish theory that I was mentioning earlier was that I felt like... And we're not quite there yet, but I'll just say it. I felt like she potentially killed Miriam and then um, was kind of everything else was in response to that. Like the way that she treats her other daughter. So yeah. she, but she but like we see instances of her hating children and even maybe even not liking her own children. And it's just yes. like this whole thing, like there's something going on with her. And I think that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have more thoughts about that. But I,
1: first off, I want to like set for people who maybe haven't read it. I want to like right. outline the, char- the the family dynamic here. Go for so, it. So Adora is married to a man named Alan, uh, who is this like really soft-spoken, unassuming, quiet guy. He seems like he just kind of is a um, vehicle for Adora to be in power. Mm-hmm. He's just like I don't know. He doesn't have a lot of a presence. Um, Which makes him a little bit suspicious to me. Um, (laughs) And then we also meet uh, uh, Amma. I think that's how you say the name Amma or Amma? Amma. Um, She is the daughter of Adora and Alan. But we learn later that uh, Camille, so half sister to Camille, because Camille is, is, while Camille is Adora's daughter, Alan is not her father.
0: Right. Which um, we learn more details about and it kind of leads back into the thing i was saying about Adora where she she acts like she she's a kind of a hypocrite because she she preaches all these things like i don't want to think about anything any of these impure things any of these things that go on and yet she like by her own rules broke those rules before and like met this guy at church something church related and then like ended up getting pregnant with Camille
1: yeah so uh she also has a dream the first night she spends in the house. So she does, uh, you know, the the uh, Adora does say it's like allow her to stay, but is very like reluctant to do so. You can tell she's not very happy about it. Um, so we can see that their relationship is totally fucked. And that first night, she has this dream that her mother was feeding her slowly and sweetly while she was dying. Um, and I think that links into your theory right. that I like that maybe her mother was like slowly poisoning the sister.
0: But I think that's maybe what Flynn wants us to think. That's the problem, though, is that I felt yeah. like when when that detail came up, that's kind of what led me into that, where it's like something it happened with her other her other daughter that she ended up in this theory. I don't really think it's true anymore, but that she killed her is like this idea that she we consistently see her not treating these people well, even though even even the daughter that she loves the most right now, like the youngest daughter, she doesn't treat her that well
1: hmm. So why I think it could still work is it could be that because we're, we're focused on the mystery of what's going on right now in the town. This is like a sub mystery that might be that might come out throughout the story. Like what actually happened with the sister maybe isn't what Camille thinks happened with the sister. And that would be kind of an aside because that's still not our main mystery. Right. So it could be revealed that the mother had something to do with that. But whether or not she's tied to what's presently happening, I think is yet to be seen
0: you don't you don't think there will be or, or where do you lean on it well
1: i think she will be tied yep. but how much is yet to be seen right but yeah i do feel like well cuz she owns like the slaughterhouse company whatever it is like the pork processing plant yeah. which is like the main money maker for this town so she's connected to like everything in this town so it it just seemed it screams that she is somehow connected to this so uh, the next morning camille is out and she encounters a woman on the street who's like breaking down and she finds this tiny body on the sidewalk and natalie keen is found with her teeth torn out and uh the detective shows up and a cop shows up and everyone's upset and they take camille's statement yeah it just it was like this interesting moment of like serendipity that she happened to be there when the body was discovered Mm. um just i guess pure happenstance but I don't know, like I, I buy it just enough because she's been out in the town kind of just like exploring and looking around. Um, but yeah, it works. All right. So chapter three, uh, we learned that Adora wears blue to funerals, um, which I thought was a really ca- telling detail because because black is too hopeless. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just shows how everything she makes everything about her when like clearly this is a situation not about you but she makes it about her about her anyway. And, and we, also, we we later get that detail, yeah. maybe you're about to say this where she she's she's the kind of person who makes everything about her, makes any any tragedy she watches on the news or any anything she hears about is like a personally affecting thing that she'll cry about and like make a big scene about,
0: right? Yeah. We kind of learn somebody I don't know if it's it's her that says this or someone else but uh, anybody who is anybody was there at this function, which was a funeral for a child. And there were no yeah. children there. It was all adults. And it got it. It's starting to feel like very like um, the greater good from Hot Fuzz, where it's like the, the whole community is like there's something going on where like, what did you make of the, there being no children? Did you buy into the, the idea that it was just because pe- people are worried about their kids and want to keep their kids safe at home? Or did you feel like yeah, I, guess I, I guess I
1: did, because to me, that makes sense. And then also, I don't know, like a child's funeral is going to be a pretty dram- like traumatic thing for another child to attend. But then again, like her friends and it stuff could also would... be closure. If, 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 yeah, if they're friends yeah. with a girl. Yeah, it, it is an interesting detail. I guess I just I just thought, oh, that's a little odd, but I buy it. Um, but you're you're saying you think there's maybe a conspiracy going on here?
0: I don't know that it's necessarily there is a conspiracy, but I'm getting like a vibe of that, right? Like I'm getting like this idea that like a lot of the powerful people within the town are, are up to something and maybe her mother is involved in that.
1: Yeah. We just get a lot of great observations from Camille here. Um, I wrote a couple of them down. She, um, so the mother of the the dead girl reads this letter to her daughter and, uh, Camille notices that, first off, tearful and dry-eyed people separate into two different groups and kind of keep to them to themselves, like the people who are overcome with grief and crying about it, and the people who aren't. Um, I thought that was a great observation. And then um, she says the only way to truly keep your child is through death. It's the purest form of family, because you keep them underground. And it's very dark, but um, this is something we hear kind of repeatedly from different characters, right, where... When you die, um, your story stops, and so you're untouchable. And we see like the girls later who are jealous, almost seem to be jealous of this sort of thing. The youngest girl, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The youngest. And daughter. so there's a lot of talk about like how you're sort of immortalized in the moment you die. Like, you can talk about Kurt Cobain this way, right? Like yeah. his his legacy became immortalized when he died. Um, now we were also robbed of many years of great music. You know, you know, selfishly say. But, my point being that um there is sort of a that is sort of a truism, I guess, is that when someone's story ends, then they're no longer open to further criticism almost. It's almost like preserved, yeah in a way. Does that make and sense?
0: for Ama and for Ama specifically saying it later, I feel like you're right. like it's like she it's like an attention thing, like it's like, yeah, to be immortalized and to be more important than if you just fade away. Well, Alma
1: literally says later, we're jumping ahead, but she literally says, I wish I was murdered. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Because it's like,
0: then she she will always be remembered as gone before her time and like people, that's more visceral to people than fading away into old age. And
1: and Camille has this firsthand, she's seen this, right, with her sister. So all of this strikes very near to home for Camille. There was, there's, there's talks of like, of like, I think as early as this, but I'm not really sure because we haven't got the revelation yet, but... There's talks about words flashing on her and her feeling words.
0: That was interesting. Um, I wanted to talk about we that. And don't know
1: why, but it's really interesting, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um so we, they go back home and oh, she also meets a group of like these girls outside the church who are laughing and then stop laughing when she comes out and like kind of act like they're sad. Um and we see these girls pop up a few times and they seem kind of like the mean girls, but like really mean girls (laughs) um they're really terrible um and uh yeah i don't know these these girls are creepy as hell well we come to find
0: out that one of them was ama
1: yes yeah one of them was ama so like Um, she she is she is connected to this group i I don't know if she's there at this moment because yes
0: camille um doesn't recognize her until later like she went to the house and didn't see her when she was at the house and then saw her at the woods when she went to the woods at one time and then saw her here at the at the church like laughing and stuff. And then it's not until she goes into the backyard of the house later, she sees her playing with like a dollhouse that she puts two and two together like this whole time that one of the girls in the group was her her half, younger half sister.
1: Yeah, because she has barely ever met. Like she, last time she talked to her was like years ago, right? And so she barely knows her. Yeah, I think Amma was
0: born that. like while she was in college.
1: Yeah. So uh we also when she does see her later she has this dollhouse that's like an exact replica of her mother's house. Yeah. Um it's really weird and she's like really obsessed with it and she points at like a room and is like you're staying here and it's like down to all the details like looks just like it. Um it's really Creepy. interesting. Have you seen Hereditary? <laughs> Did you
0: see Hereditary yet? I have not okay. seen it. A couple of things in this in this make me think of Hereditary in not necessarily like the core elements of hereditary, but like a couple of details here and there.
1: Okay. I've heard good things about that as an aside, I I need to see it.
0: So then she goes and talks
1: to the sheriff some more. He implies that these children should, could have maybe provoked somebody that they weren't as well loved as people like to think. And she also exchanges sort of like a smile with the detective. And this is the first time where it feels a little bit like there's maybe some like, um, like she's attracted to him Mm -hmm. somewhat. Um, which I, I, you know, I, p- I pick up on. He's, he's said to be good looking, basically. Um, and that's the detective from Out of Town, Kansas City. And oh yeah, because she says she hopes that Chief Victory will introduce her, but he doesn't. And then she, it's funny because she she says like in Chicago she would have introduced herself, but because she's in Wind Gap she doesn't feel like she can she feels like she has to like be more demure because that's what women are like in this town right
0: and that's not even like an active it it wasn't it wasn't it was less of an active thing and more of a passive thing she didn't like think like oh i'm supposed to be more like this it was just like because she's around in this environment i feel like that's more of the town like influencing and changing perceptions and what people are thinking kind of
1: So while they're at the wake um, in the King girl's house, um, she notices that there's proof of this girl's life everywhere. And I I, I had to point out, uh, she sees a wrinkled copy of, or sorry, she sees a copy of A Wrinkle in Time on a shelf. Yeah. And I was like, hey, another project we covered. (laughs) Um, It's just also a cool detail, right? Like That that book is something that is a touchstone for many people. And I don't know. I'm just glad we covered it now because I know what that is. (laughs) <laughs> um but yes, yeah, so she meets a lot of her um mother's friends i, I say in quotations because a lot of these people are, are pretty unfriendly with each other uh one of them is drunk and basically reveals that she's on her mother's bad side i don't know like it this th- these women are, are um are clearly very catty i think we meet them again later
0: it's very interesting when we meet him again later. Like this is kind of setting yeah. it up, I feel like.
1: This sets it up, right, right. So we'll we'll touch more on them later. We do get like a direct representation of her report that she's going to send back to Curry. He thinks it's solid. He orders a larger feature. She thinks it's kind of shit. Uh chapter 4, she talks to this boy at the park where the girl went missing.
0: No, I think this is another key. This is another key like clue. Clue here, yeah. Whether yeah. but we have to parse through what this kid's saying. So.
1: Yeah, so this kid's basically says that a woman. Well, it, it's a two-step thing. So this guy, this this guy says this boy says that a woman is who took Natalie. She was wearing a nightgown, and she wants to know how he knows this. And he says uh, he reveals that another boy told him, and so she goes to talk to this other boy.
0: Now I want to stop here because this is another reason, and I think this is a red herring. I, I I'm going to keep saying that I think that it is because. In a little bit we get a kind of a flashback to childhood for Camille. Mm-hmm. And she specifically says like she wasn't allowed in her mom's room. She always remembers her mom like laying in this massive bed this crazy room wearing like robes or whatever it was just yeah. so, so I was like another another moment of potentially um either a red herring or a clue. So yeah. So the boy
1: says that there was a woman who came and took her. This old woman wearing all white. Um, she was very pale. She had white hair. And the boy claims that he wasn't scared or that she wasn't scared and that she went along with her, basically. Um, but he says he told the police, but the police don't believe him. So, yeah, that's that detail you're talking about. Very interesting. The claim that because this is the first time Camille has, has heard this. Uh, she goes to talk to Richard and ask him why, why he's dismissed this, you know, this boy's claims. And he says, I haven't dismissed it. <laughs> and then she says, well, what are you thinking? And he's like, I can't comment on that. And so there's this kind of like sparring where, where he won't, um, uh, he won't really reveal anything to her. I also noticed that, and this is probably just another like red herring, but she keeps mentioning Richard's teeth. Yeah, is like his one of his defining characteristics. Yeah, which I think is an interesting detail when you consider what the killer is doing. So I was like, "Ooh, is she trying to imply that there's something creepy about him? He's very obsessed well. What with if his it's teeth. Camille? I don't know.
0: What if she's like so fascinated by teeth? That and... would be
1: the ultimate. Uh, she she did a murder in a town she wasn't even in. Uh, <laughs> that that would be interesting. <laughs> oh, she also writes the word dick in cursive on her arm when he walks away. Mm-hmm. Um, which was like, so this is we've seen her write stuff on her hands a couple times, which is more like okay, we understand you're taking a note. You're at somebody's name down on her hand. Maybe she didn't have her notepad at the time. But then when you see her write that on her arm, it's like starting to be like, okay, something's weird. Something's kind of weird about this. They tell each other stories about just like ugly things they've seen through their jobs. Um, And then she goes home. And this is when we see Amma throw this tantrum over this tiny table inside her dollhouse, not being exactly perfect. And she like hates it now. And this is where we see her being like a true shit. Um, and, and just throwing a tantrum and, and being like the quintessential, like spoiled rich girl who gets everything because, uh Adora just like, I don't know, doesn't like scold her really. Yeah. Okay. So then we get to the part that could potentially be kind of triggering for people. So warning, uh, we learn what's been going on with these words and it's basically that Camille has a history of being a cutter and not only being a cutter, but she will carve, words into her flesh that she imagines being there i guess um and she started doing it around the time she hit puberty and she remembers writing the word wicked with a steak knife that cutting the word wicked with a steak knife um and that just the way this is all described and the way she can like like feel the words and kind of like um imagine them there and almost hallucinate them there and how it was this it's this real compulsion that she has no control over and we can see that it is tied to her sister dying I think and her her depression I don't know this is just really this is really powerful stuff to me because mm-hmm. it's really um it feels like this is something I don't know for sure but it feels like this has to be something that Gillian Flynn has experience with because it feels very true or at least um knows people very closely who have and the way that the compulsion manifests is so fascinating she can like feel the words like singing to her from her skin and all this stuff and like she feels the call of like instruments that she can cut herself with she'll feel it like calling to her Mm -hmm. and i've heard people talk about this and so i think it is this is written from a place of um, of experience or at least of really well researched um, into this phenomenon
0: what's interesting is that she dealt with this for a very long time and then eventually i think around college she she went and sought help for it and has been dealing with it since then um, right she she
1: says that she wrote the word vanish carved i wrote she carved the word vanish um and that was the last one that she did and that was i think a f- several number of years ago uh-huh. but it was um and then yeah she went and she had to stay at like a, a psychiatric hospital with other people who are cutters um and yeah, so this has been this has been a very serious thing. And we learned that basically her entire body is covered in scars from this. Um she just said that she didn't carve she didn't carve her neck. Um, but it seems interesting because it's also like she's just been saving it for like that's like a prime spot and she wants to carve something there eventually.
0: These and it's I also find it interesting that like now the the words have certain power to her. Yeah. Like she whether that's something that she was able to cope with uh in um treatment or whatever it was um now there's a moment when like punish something was was brought up and like the word punish is like really prominent to her for some reason like it's yeah well she'll
1: through after we know this we start having these scenes where like a certain word will start like and described as burning on her thigh or, or wherever it was and and so even though it's just a scar now like that word is permanently there and will come up like you said, and 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 this also links to the fact that she compulsively would write things down when she was young. So she's had a history of doing that. Like she would just write down people, everything they said, and just everything she overheard. She would just constantly be writing it down. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It just it, it's all so fascinating. It's such a it's such a flawed character, with clearly has mental you know mental trouble um, that she has had to seek help for, um, but we understand her like it's given to us so slowly that we kind of understand how she got there because all the shit she's been through and and i don't know like it's really fascinating like i love this character me too yeah i mean it's really it's it's really affecting stuff and i think it's a bold thing for her to include in this novel and i would be i would love to like off the record just like if i ever met her ask her about this and ask her what reaction has been like over the years because like I can see people having all kinds of reactions to this, you know, whether it could bring this back up for people who have struggled with this. Yeah. Or it could seem like a, a finally someone who understands, right. It could be that too. And it's just like, whenever you take on something, this real and something that really affects people and you put it in a novel, you know what I mean? Like you're inviting, um, you're just inviting a lot. You're inviting a lot of stuff that you're going to have to defend because that's a very dramatic choice to make and a very, um, One you shouldn't make lightly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So next we meet... um, I think she's this, like, uh, maid... And I just wanted to point it out because the description of her says that she has mismatched teeth. (laughs) And every time someone mentions teeth, I'm like, it's a clue. (laughs) Yeah. So the help there uh, has got something going on with her teeth. I don't know. I don't even know what really mismatched teeth means, but I feel like I kind of do, which I guess is the point. But then, yeah, we get back into the talk of Ama and her her real penchant for ugliness. And this is where Camille is starting to feel like, I don't like this girl, Um, whereas before she was kind of neutral, right? But after that, like, display... Um, This is also where Amma comes down and says, I wish I had been the one murdered. And she says, when you're dead, you're perfect. Which, okay, immediately we have to consider the possibility that Amma and or the girls that she hangs out with are behind this murder, right? Are behind these these killings because they seem capable of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And they show no remorse. They seem kind of like psychopaths, especially Amma. So... That is a theory, but I I think it's almost too obvious. I don't know. And there's been a lot of other books where the child ends up, or not the child, but like one of the kids ends up being the killer. Um, so I'm kind of hoping in this book doesn't go that way just because I, it feels kind of familiar to me.
0: Yeah, I don't think it will. Um, but something interesting about Ama that I do want to mention is that Camille has like the opposite reaction that he, she has to like seeing the photos of the of the girls who have been killed and just knowing that like, these are girls that she would feel like like she could she would like them she would get along with them and then and then the it's the opposite for ama she's like the more she learns about her the more she's like against her so i think and they're they're roughly the same age group right so it's she just,
1: identifies more with the, the the murdered girls absolutely yeah oh i did want to point out so there's a mention of um when she went to the hospital they had to keep her away from all sharp objects And that was the first time we got the title of the book. So I think it's an important moment, right? Yeah. And we can see that I think sharp objects and this, and the way it's used in this novel is, I don't know, it's used in a couple different ways, but in one way it can be viewed as something that she, our main character is drawn towards, has an unhealthy relationship with, and is something that she can use to um, inflict self-harm. So, that is a little bit different than what I was maybe expecting with the title like sharp objects where I was just thinking like uh, the instrument of murder, right? Like stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas this is, this is, it still has that, but this is like a more nuanced thing. And I think it's also important to point out that the girls who were killed were strangled. So not, not stabbed, right? Where you might think someone was stabbed in a book called sharp objects. So we see Alan being silent again, <laughs> like slurping up soupy eggs. Is also <laughs> just kind of gross and creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, this is where we t- the, the talk about the mother and and how she locked herself in the bedroom and it had a floor made of
0: pure ivory, which is like similar to teeth. I don't know. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think so there's that a was strong uh, now. I'm starting to talk myself back into it. She might have she might. I think she might be the killer. Or like, it's,
1: I think it's too obvious, though, right? She can't be the actual killer or or we have to like we have to like believe in a bunch of other stuff and then come back to it. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. It almost seems too obvious for, like, literally her mother is the murderer. Like, I I don't know. But, I mean, maybe. Maybe. I'm not ready to discount anything yet. So, when she's out talking to Richard next, he does spot her scars. And this is the first moment. And she, like, has to pull her sleeves down. um, Which we see her doing a couple times. And I thought it was an interesting detail because I thought it was just like a like something she does like kind of like a like a fidgeting thing where mm-hmm. she's like pulling her sleeves down into her hands. Right, But I think it's her covering her scars that are on her wrists, right? Yeah, I just didn't actually realize them.
0: that till you just said that. But I remember her like balling up the ends of her sleeves.
1: And to speak of it in a crass way, you know, from a writer perspective, giving your character some sort of flaw or tick or something we saw this in it we saw this with like bill Dimbro's stutter right Yep. um if, if you give them something like this you can you can mine it for so much so much so many amazing character moments right and i'm already seeing her doing this like she can constantly go back and have a word flare up on her skin and just be this moment um where we see her um compulsion right affecting her yeah and I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a brilliant detail and uh, it continues to pay dividends in my opinion, from the writing perspective. Uh, she also mentions at one point, I don't know if it's here or later, she says that she drinks so much because drinking is a lubrication that protects her mind from the sharp thoughts, which is another like sharp object sort of thing, which I thought was a really cool, like just, that's just a brilliant bit of, um, bit of writing and an observation. Cause I think a lot of us feel that way, right? Like if you drink, if you're the kind of person who can drink when you're in a, When you're um, mourning or feeling grief, you know, whether or not it works, a lot of people do it because they want to, like, almost separate themselves from those thoughts. Yeah. Like, numb the brain, right? People talk about that. So, yeah, we see her end out this chapter by calling Curry and kind of filling him in on what's been going on. And we see her outlining her scars in blue. And I starting to feel like um, this is this stuff is bringing it's bringing back a lot of her old problems, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm waiting for the moment where she's going to start cutting. Again. Right. I'm worried that and, she's going to do it. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. she has
0: the neck still available. And like they've kind of made that a thing. So I'm worried that yeah. she's going to do it.
1: Yeah. And so I think that's a very like ominous moment where she's when she's it seems almost like incidental. But the fact that she's kind of outlining scars again, I don't know. I think, I think it's very telling. So this is the next, the next scene is in chapter six is where we get the women all gossiping and they're all drunk and they're all talking, telling stories about, about stuff that's been going on in town. They all laugh about the idea of um, Natalie's older brother, John being the killer. And just the way they're like laughing about it's really crass. Right. And uh, they, they mentioned that one of the other sisters is dating him, but that he has like been creepy and like, he's like a child lover or something or a girl lover. Anyway, there's, we hear about him a few times as being kind of creepy and I don't, in the chapters we've read, we don't, we haven't really met him yet, but I think that's going to be something important later where he's going to be some, either a red herring or something, right? We're going to learn something through him.
0: Yeah. They also, in this conversation, talk about the grandmother, uh, and how she was very much like Adora. Camille's grandmother? Uh, Camille's grandmother, Yeah. yeah. And then Adora kind of is very much like her, um... And we kind of get some of their them talking about their younger years with Adora, how she wasn't quite what she is now.
1: So it reminds me of this poem by Philip Larkin. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but it says, uh, they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in turn by fools in old style hats and coats who half the time were soppy stern, half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. <laughs> so I did read the whole chap, ja- the whole poem. But um, this is his most famous poem, and just the fact that it's like, um, fuck you, like your parents fuck you up, and then you in turn fuck up your kids, and how it's this like ongoing chain mm-hmm. of fucking each other up, and the only way to like get out of it is to not have any kids. Um, it's kind of a dark poem, I guess, but uh, this story made me think of it, right? Because it seems like maybe the grandmother fucked up the mother who in turn fucked up Camille. Yeah. We're seeing this playing out.
0: Yeah. Which is also going back to where I said that there's there's similarities to Hereditary. That's another one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I need to see that movie. All right. So, so uh, the other thing that happens is a, m- a woman named Jackie basically tells her that she should leave because Adora is going to hurt her. And then, like, another woman tells her to shut up and basically, like, pulls around. It's like, you need to go throw up because you're, you're too drunk. And, like, takes her off to the bathroom to go vomit. But um, she basically was like, warning Camille that she should leave before Adora hurts her. Um, and it seemed like not physically, but maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It was a really, like, kind of interesting thing, right?
0: This is more of that, like, community, like, people know something. So people know stuff. You know what I mean? Right. There's more under the surface.
1: So Camille goes next back to the Nash's house, and this time she's able to speak to the mother and father. Bob tells her that Natalie was was his toughest uh, of the girls. and It seems like his favorite, honestly, from the way he talks about her. Yeah. Um, she was intelligent. She, she spoke her mind, which the mother says, you know, she was my mouth, implying that she was the one who could actually talk, whereas she feels like she can't. Um, and then we learn this story about, like, she maybe killed a neighbor's bird um but or at least the neighbor accused her of it um so i think that's something that might come up again later so i'm just throwing that out there yeah this is where she learns that her mother once tutored Anne, the girl who died Mm -hmm. so this is where she learns that her mother does have a direct connection right which is a why did you hide that right like (laughs) you know what's going on here uh so yeah this is kind of setting up i think the suspicion that the mother had something to do with it um, but it's very, uh, it is very on the nose. I think we're supposed to suspect that.
0: Right. I don't want it to be the mom, but if it is, it makes sense, right? Like yeah. I want it to be something way more out of left field that I didn't see coming or something. I guess I don't know.
1: Yeah. So, um, so chapter seven is a short one, and um, she we talk. This is a lot about like Camille's state of mind, and she's think and, and and her relationship with her mother. And she's thinking about how her mother has never told her that 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 she loved her. And she, in fact, says, I think she hates children because she puts on these acts. And she remembers several different occasions where her mother would act very like taken with a child or act very sad about something or act like she she would take her around town and show her off like her Camille to her friends and kind of show her off. But then whenever they were alone together, it would all fall away. Like it was all this act. Right. And then she tells this story, which I think is incredibly telling and that's uh, when she was a kid, she crept down and watched her mom at this baby shower. And all the other women left to another room and her mother was left in her home with this baby who she'd been cooing over and acting all like lovey-dovey. But when all the other women are gone, she like bends over and bites the child, making the child start crying. And then when other people come back in and go, oh, what's around her?" it's like, oh, she's just started fussing or something like that. Yeah. And like plays it off. And it's this, like, really dark moment of, like, her mom seems like kind of a psychopath, right, when we hear that detail? Yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty fucked up. So, yeah, I think suspicion is getting definitely, like, her, her mother is, uh, is a real piece of work and has done some terrible shit, and I'm sure we're going to find out some terrible shit she's done. Whether or not she's killed these two new girls, yet to be seen. So this is another crazy moment. She encounters Alma out in the town, and she follows her in her car, and Alma goes to the processing plant for the pigs, and we get some really fucked up details about how these pigs are kept in pens and how they are like forced to, um, feed the other like baby pigs mm-hmm. and how Ama basically comes and watches it and like gets some sort of enjoyment out of it, even though it's this like really dark and brutal stuff. Um, and it's really sickening and, and she's repeatedly talked about how everybody who even works in these plants, like can't even bear to eat pork anymore. And like they eat chicken all the time. Um, cause of how fucked up it is. Um, which is also interesting cause her mother owns it. So anyway, um, but yeah, this is where we see Amma acting like a little like baby serial killer, basically, right? Like she's she's watching animals suffer, which is a clear like the documented sign of someone being a psychopath is harm to animals, right? Yeah. So we see her doing that. Alright, so this last chapter is another really, really interesting one. Um this is basically, first off, she encounters Amma and her friends stealing from this memorial to the to the you know the dead one of the dead girls. Uh, which is really shitty she she kind of like says like you know what if your mother hears about this and stuff but we it's interesting because we we see that these girls are not afraid of camille right like they're they're definitely willing to stand up to her
0: which is weird because they're like 13 and she's like 30 something
1: yeah you wouldn't think that they would be but um they do i don't know and like i just barely buy it too like if there's enough of them and maybe it's it's too familiar to her i don't know and plus, like, I don't know, as a substitute, I was a substitute teacher for a while who t- occasionally taught middle school. And if you got enough problem kids together in a classroom and they kind of gang up on an adult, like it can be like you, you would like to think that you could like just tell them to shut up or whatever, or tell them to leave you alone, just go sit down, listen to me. I'm the adult here. But that just doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't know, like I do buy it if it's like if these girls are as bad as they're made out to be. Um. Now she does go meet up with Richard. And there's this really interesting exchange um, that we, we, we have to get into. He basically asks her to, like, outline acts of cruelty and violence she's seen. And she tells several stories. She tells a story about someone she once saw hurting a baby, which we know was her mother. But then she, when he asks her, when he presses her about it, she deflects and basically says that it wasn't. It was somebody else, right? And then he tells another she tells another story about a girl she once heard of who got raped by like multiple guys at some party where she got like got really drunk right Mm -hmm. and then he he is like rightly really like oh my god that's so terrible that definitely counts as violence and then she has this moment where she like almost attacks him and like how dare you call this you know um a rape because it's like you know, maybe maybe she just wanted to get drunk and have sex and, like, all this stuff, right? And it's re- this weird moment where she's, like, almost defending what happened. I totally didn't see this coming because I was just like, oh, that's a really weird character moment where she's kind of, like, defending this, and I should have seen it coming. But then we learn later that the reason, and I think it's really fascinating psychologically, but the woman in the story is her. Right. The girl in the story is her. Yeah. And we find out later. And I just thought that circa like really fascinating. Like, I, I want to get your take. Why do you think she... um kind of attacks him for for acting like it's a big deal
0: so when i i i kind of figured out that that it was her and because i felt like it was a defense thing it was like kind of trying to be like she didn't do enough in the moment like she's trying to reason with herself and say like it's okay that this happened because maybe this is what i wanted she's kind of trying to like you know barter with herself and be like um come to terms with it and and deal with it in kind of an unhealthy way so that's kind of what I saw yeah. as her just like kind of pushing it off and being like, you don't know, because maybe she's trying to like, she's she's unsure also in her head, even though she it, it is rape.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right on. I think it is an unhealthy defense mechanism that we're seeing from her. And I mean, we've seen a lot of this in her, right? Patterns of kind of unhealthy thought processes. But for her, it's like if she can convince herself that that's what happened, then she's no longer the victim. And then maybe she doesn't have to feel sorry for herself. And maybe she can like regain some power over the situation that she didn't have. Right. Like, and if she can convince herself that she did actually have power and it just, it's really tragic, but also I can see people doing this right. And trying to play off something and convince themselves that it wasn't something that it was because it's easier, right. To, to not think I was attacked and, you know, a crime was committed against me versus this is just something that is misunderstood. Um, it can be easier. Um, and 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 I don't know, this is it's very dark, but it's very, very interesting stuff. And it fits this person who has a very unhealthy uh, relationship with her own history and her own self. So then they're kind of out together and the girls show up while they're in the park and sort of run them off, like sort of run off like the detective and her. And um, at one point they like throw stuff at her. Or no no it's like a, that happened earlier but then the, the, at one point she like tries to stick this like like po- like um sucker in her hair into Camille's hair yeah um and then like Amma's like what are you gonna do are you gonna hit me you know what I mean
0: like just like challenging her yeah it's and, really um, interesting like I I don't know the guy's a detective yeah so it's like I don't know <laughs> yeah I don't know. um they don't really stand up to him
1: and they kind of just like slink off and get in his car and leave and and she says like and we we, we and we went more quickly than I would have liked to or something like that. Like she kind of embarrassed by the way it goes down, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's the end of chapter eight. That's where we leave it. Her and Richard, oh, I should also say her and Richard are definitely flirting and I strongly think that they're going to end up sleeping together. Yeah. Which, you know, will be very interesting. Uh, he's the main detective in charge of this investigation. So they're both caught up in this thing and and um, to have them have a, you know, a sexual relationship, I think dramatically uh, useful, maybe a little bit... Um, Maybe almost a little bit contrived, but, uh, I can also see it cause he's, he's also an outsider and it's clear that she, I think she's more generous to outsiders than she is to people from wind gap. Like she really doesn't like people from wind gap. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's not from wind gap, I think is appealing to her. I don't know. Okay. So let's, let's outline our theories, I guess. So let's outline our theories and then, and then at the very end, maybe me and you can, um, each pick the one that we like the most as of this episode. Right. Okay, so you tell me you start with with one theory. Well,
0: I mean the the mother is is one that like I'm I'm like wishy washy that she on. killed that she
1: killed the girl. I don't
0: think that she killed them, but like so, there's something going on related to her having the kids killed or something something like that.
1: Okay, so that I guess is like that's like the continuation of I guess the main theory is that the the mother is somehow responsible for the sister dying though.
0: Yeah, that would be a major theory for me. The, but I yeah. will say that i i thought that less and less as we got toward as we realized that she potentially was involved in the the modern crime
1: yeah that's true so then there's also alan he's another suspect who could be behind this he's very quiet yeah he's creepy slurps on eggs i don't don't know
0: it's too too obvious for me but it is one
1: you think it's obvious? He's like so quiet. He doesn't ever interact. Well, in these because scenes. he's
0: like he's like so like. I mean, I guess it's not obvious, but I just think I'm like oh, he's like kind of skee. Like he's like not even skeezy, but he's like he's he's odd, he's, right? So like we he kind of stands out a little bit.
1: Like he's he's not very masculine. I don't know. I I, I feel like I've seen an I've, I've watched a lot of shows that are like procedural mysteries, um, especially like British ones, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's often like the like likable dude. Or maybe even not likable, just kind of background guy who actually isn't made out to be particularly creepy. He's just there. Yeah. Um, so I'm always paying attention for characters like that because even though I think Alan's creepy, according to the book, I would say he's not. He's just like he's just kind of forgettable. Yeah. He's just there. Um, I find him kind of creepy, but I don't know. Uh, so that's the theory. I guess we also have the theory that the girls did this together, yeah. right? Maybe as a group or the amo like did it. Um now there's this the uh, there
0: is the potential that the girls did it and Adora is covering something up yeah. that they did or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean I hope it's not that cuz I feel like that's kind of obvious, right? Like the most obvious thing right now I think is that Ama with the help of her friends strangled the girls and then for some reason maybe the mother helped cover it up. And for some reason, the teeth were pulled out. Maybe it was an attempt, like you said, so they wouldn't be identified, but it just seems so silly in a small town like this. Yeah. I don't know. But that just seems too obvious. And it doesn't explain the random girl, like, I'm sorry, woman who came and abducted. um, I think it was Natalie. But that also, you said, could maybe be the mother in her nightgown. So who knows, right? Yeah, but that all feels too obvious. There's also a lot of characters we haven't met yet. Um, There's nothing... In the rules, quote unquote, and, and, you know, there aren't rules, but um, I don't think there's anything that says that the character who did the murder has to be introduced, you know what I mean, like early on in the novel. I don't think that has to be true, just at some point. So it's possible we might not have met them, but I think halfway through the novel, it's likely that we have. Yeah so really just any character who's been named could be the killer like it could be sheriff vickery or something we have no reason to believe that right but it could be could be the detective. Um, it just depends on what kind of mystery they're they're trying to tell here right yeah yeah it could be the detective with his with his chiclet teeth or whatever she calls them (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah who knows um maybe it's camille herself in a fugue state like you said i i am kind of all over the place um But yeah, I guess I guess we'll force ourselves to uh, each come up with what theory we like the best here at the very end. How does that sound?
0: Yeah, sounds good to me.
1: Uh, I'm so excited to watch the first four episodes of this show, which should hopefully line up with this because I just want to see this come to screen, like come to the screen and be adapted. And we've never done something like this, too, where we're like doing it in pieces like this, where we're we're still not going to know the ending. I don't know. I'm excited for this. I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to be cool. Hopefully people join us for it.
0: Yeah. All right, we wanted to thank one of our patrons, Remy N. Thank you for being a patron and supporting us through this.
1: Yeah, and if you wanted to find out how to become a patron, you just go to patreon.com forward slash ink to film, and you can find out what sort of rewards we have, bonus episodes, which we're going to be recording our fourth one here coming up soon. Yep. So definitely check that out if if you're curious about it and see uh, how you can support us monetarily. Um, Another way you can support us though without having to spend any money is to leave a rating and review However, you're listening to this podcast whether it's on stitcher itunes, whatever Um, Those reviews really help us get the word out Help uh, us get our show out to more listeners. So we would love it if you did that
0: Also, if you want to interact with us in any other way, we're on social media We're on facebook twitter instagram all of those at ink to film And we're active on there. So get at us
1: yeah, and if you would like to send us an email, you can send one to inktofilm at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear feedback about this project. Are you guys watching the show? Are you, are you interested in the book? Are, is it a book you read a long time ago? Don't spoil it for us. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, we would love to hear from, from, from people like that. So yeah, reach out. We also wanted to say thank you to Audible for our affiliate link. You can get 30 free days and one free credit for an audio, any audiobook in their collection with our affiliate link. It's audibletrial.com forward slash inktofilm. And also thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music.
1: So it's time for you to pick some theories. What if you had to pick one theory? Yeah, we're doing one out of all of them that you feel now it doesn't necessarily have to be the, like a, an overarching, like fully thought out answers every question theory, mm-hmm. but just like one thing that you feel strongly about where we are right now when in the fullness in the fullness of the things we don't know <laughs> where, where where are you at so
0: are you asking me to predict who the killer is right now or are you asking me you just can. any thi- anything whatever
1: you, well, yeah anything related to the story that you feel strongly about that you think is is you can see where it's headed or you have a good feeling okay, well, about Okay the that you want to stand by I
0: think the I think Adora is 100% using her influence and the pig uh whatever it was called Processing the plant. processing plant is going to come back and play play a part in some way and her influence and her money um and we can see that just from the fact that um jackie was trying to to say something that the rest of the community and her her other friends felt like uh shouldn't be said to come um to her daughter so 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 she's so
1: she's connected is what you're saying but i'm gonna have to, i'm gonna i'm gonna have you take it a step farther Did she kill somebody or did she cover up?
0: Did she, did she like with her own hands? Are you saying like, did she?
1: Yes. Did she, did she strangle one of these girls?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: You don't think so? No. Okay. So your theory is she helped maybe cover it up?
0: Yeah. And it could, I'm not even necessarily saying that it's definitely her youngest daughter that did it, but I think like something to make the community look better to something happen and she's covering it up, whether it's her family or the community at large and just like that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'm going to kind of come at you with two theories. One of them's about the some of the mysteries, and I, I like that. Um, and then the other one's about Camille. Um, we, we outlined it here, uh, the Camille—I'll start with the Camille one. I do believe she's going to start cutting again, and I think it's going to be—it's uh, going to be dark. Um, and I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm also— um, I think that's where this story's headed because of how much this town is affecting her, right? Um, and bringing back all these dark thoughts. And then my my, my theory, though— I think I'm going to go with my theory that the mother is behind the sister, Camille's sister, and that she actually was making her sick. You do think so? um, For attention. And she wanted the attention of having a dead child. And she wanted to preserve... Like, there's a lot of talk about wanting to preserve somebody. I think she is behind that, and that she murdered Camille's sister.
0: Jesus. But
1: I think that's going to be the reveal with her, and I don't think she's actually going to be involved um, more than maybe like as an aside like as like a like a association maybe she doesn't even know that she's associated with yeah so Um, you
0: think it's more just going to be like like thematic parallels kind of like she had somebody killed and somebody else this kind of thing
1: yeah yeah i think that's where i'm that's where i'm leaning um could be completely wrong but um i think yeah i think that's interesting and i Uh, can totally see it, because this mysterious illness, we've never heard what it was, right? Right. and she was sick for a long time. And it it took, she took, she was sick for a long time, Um, that's a lot of attention, that's a lot of time for, um, for Adora to go around and and get attention from people about having a sick child. And also we've Um, seen
0: her in community settings, dying for, for attention. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and, and it's also, um, I mean, one last time, bring it back to it. Um, Was it Eddie, Eddie's mom, like always telling him he was sick and yeah. he needed his medicine and all that stuff. It could be a similar kind of thing where she's like ch- controlling her through sickness and then also maybe, yeah, maybe not wanting her to grow up and not wanting her to to Become leave. Un- um, and, and, and for whatever reason, yeah maybe, yeah, maybe get into a sexual maturity or whatever it is that was her way to to stop it from happening Wow. Yeah. and 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 then and then yeah i think that'd be really fucked up if that's what happened but uh i think that totally fits the story's tone yeah. so i think we'll you're see. probably
0: i think you're onto something i definitely i definitely agree i think there's something to be said for the mom and that that middle daughter because it's too okay. it's too mysterious
1: all right and are you ready for us to be completely wrong about everything yes, we just said 100 percent. okay me too <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. Uh, I'm excited to watch this show. We'll be back next week with our reaction to episodes one through four. So we hope you'll watch it it along with us and, and join us then. Until then, I'm Luke. And I'm James. See ya.